Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi, folks. This is Sarah Perry. Um, today, we're going to be exploring a very um, uncommon fetish called acrotomophilia. And it is a fetish of being attracted to amputees specifically. By the end of this episode, you should be able to identify what an amputee fetish is, why people feel attracted to this type of thing, a couple of cool random facts about it, and um, how to do it safely and effectively in a way that is consensual and genuinely good for the world and the people around you. Opotemnophilia is also a simile, similar and often confused term, and it has to do with um, somebody literally wanting to amputate parts of their body. And the real discrepancy with that last one is that even though it's considered a philia, an attraction, um, it isn't necessarily driven by sexual attraction. A lot of times people have um, disorders that cause distress, so DSM-5 would consider them disorders where they literally feel like they should not have a part of their body that they have. And there have been many cases of people um, who will go to doctors and request to have limbs amputated. It is not legal in our country to do this, and it can be really problematic to find a doctor that would do it, and then if something goes wrong, um, an important thing to consider is just the fact that your limbs, when amputated, have typically been compromised. The blood flow has been compromised. There's no other option. But when we go ahead and remove major parts of our body, then the likelihood that those parts of our bodies will develop infections or that we'll lose too much blood is actually really high if that is um, kind of a viable and healthy limb. So it's not encouraged, but also... Who's to say what we should encourage people to do and what we shouldn't encourage people to do? So it is um, a little complicated. It isn't as simple as saying, of course you shouldn't be allowed to do that because you're crazy. Because we do all kinds of crazy crap all of the time and nobody's telling us that we can't do it. So um, it's at least a good uh, topic of discussion. Most of the time, people who are attracted to amputations actually have more of a draw towards either like medical fetishes or to the idea of having like a built-in giant penis, right? So think about the idea that if someone had their arm amputated, like something would be considerably thicker than a penis that someone would carry around and most toys that you would be able to use and it would be an appendage that is easily available for your use immediately. Secondly, it makes total sense that it could be considered a medical fetish because a lot of times we're playing with power dynamics and people feel that people who are disabled or have, you know, some reason that they can't technically get away from you as quickly um, are therefore more likely to be submissive or you could get them to submit to you. Now remember, this can turn toxic really quickly, but we do completely support people in their consensual power play. So let's see, what categories does it fit into? If it's into power play and domination, like I was talking about, 
um, the idea that someone would be unable to run away. In fact, there's erotic literature all over the internet where people are like, oh, I just loved um, somebody who had just one leg without a prosthetic not being able to run away and I would just toss them down and we would have sex and it was like fantastic. Well, it makes perfect sense because this kind of playfulness of the chase is a big part of how we relate to sexuality. Um, there's a reason that we love watching documentaries on Animal Planet about um, tigers chasing gazelles, right? It's because we've been conditioned that this physical chase is actually really arousing. Um, so studies by Solvang in 2007 showed that people preferred single rather than double amputees and preferred amputations on the legs rather than the arms. And they preferred a stump over not having a stump, having it cut completely flat with your torso. Um, so what does this tell us? I mean, we can read into crap as much as we want. Uh, if you guys have listened to my studies, my conversations about studies and what there is to watch out for when you're reading studies, you should know that a lot of times studies give us whatever the hell the person doing the study wanted to show and not really anything that is just kind of organic, right? So remember that, but it is interesting to see when we're interviewing people and finding out why they like what they like, that sometimes the things they like are easily explained by other things. So yeah, it makes perfect sense that someone would love having essentially another built-in appendage that is easy to use for penetration or even for the idea of penetration. So remember, just because you wouldn't be able to necessarily fit in an amputated knee inside of a vagina or an anus, that doesn't mean that you don't enjoy the play of trying, similar to the way people enjoy playing with fisting. And a lot of people cannot take a fist, but it doesn't matter because the game is how much can you take. So it makes sense that this is something that people think is attractive. Let's see, what else? Um, of course, medical play and nurse fetishes, a lot of people love the idea of being caretakers. And this also comes from everything we've been raised to believe and to feel. And we were raised playing with baby dolls and playing doctor. And we even as children sexualize playing doctors as a way of exploring someone else's body, but really as a way of claiming control over what's going on around us. Whereas in most situations, children don't get to tell their friends, hey, can I see your penis? Instead, they'd be like, let's play doctor, pull your pants down. And you do claim some, some kind of ownership over other people's behavior, and that can be super exciting to kids, and then easily translates when you get older into your adulthood. We play games like nurse play and disability fetishism. We must remember that all of these kind of semi-marginalized populations or completely marginalized and desexualized populations are um, very accepted in the kink community. Almost like their only way of play would be kink play. Um, in a lot of ways, as I've talked about before in the past, people reclaim control over their body by allowing someone to control them. It, it is a good way to kind of turn around any kind of medical trauma someone has had by acting like that medical trauma that was non-consensual, which a lot of people have, for example, if they deal with like cancer and they're poked and prodded all of the time in so many ways that they never really agreed to, but then you just kind of like reluctantly, reluctantly say okay because you trust your doctors to make good decisions for you. 
it makes sense that this now becomes, um, even though it's a taboo, it's also a link into the world of kink. Um, let's make sure that when we talk about populations that are marginalized and are desexualized, that we keep in our minds that pleasure is and should be a right and not a privilege and that everybody in every shape, in every type, in every color body should have access to whatever pleasure it is that they require. Um, lastly, there is a weird kind of random category that this fits into that I hadn't even considered until I started doing my research. And it is the fact that sometimes people are attracted to kind of role-playing scenarios with robot parts. And the idea that someone could be like somewhat robotic because of their prosthetics could be completely fetishized. Now, notice that this is not something that came up originally in the research. Just after I did some reading, I realized, oh, this makes sense. And in fact, when you're reading some of the erotica, that is part of it. Um, there is a whole culture of devoteism, and that's a person who is just devoted to kind of the worship of a either mangled, disfigured, or disabled body amputees included. The trouble with this type of personality is that a lot of times it is expressed through taking pictures, a lot of times unwanted, collecting pictures and collecting items of people um, in order to fetishize them later. And really, these types of behaviors really disconnect you from society. They're a disservice to how you can carry relationships with people. It's okay to love things. It's okay to want to keep tokens of romantic times, but it's not okay to do that against somebody's will or without them knowing because it's just a breach of consent. So keep that in mind as we talk about some of these fetishes about definitely making sure everything's done in the, in the guard space of someone being held in positive regard and loved for who they are and seen for who they are and we are so much more than an arm or lack thereof. So some extreme forms of amputee fetishism would call for a partner that wants to amputate their body. In fact, some people could be even coercive to partners and say, like, but this is just what I like. Why can't we just do this? Let's like, this is, I, I'm just, I've been dying to be with someone like this. Um, and of course, that comes into play with other things like ethical standards, how about uh, mental stability, which already is a whole untamed animal, the way psychology pathologizes people's behaviors and our kind of free reign to decide what we do, then being scrutinized into, well, can we police your behavior because we can't tell if you're mentally stable for our safety. But really, um, someone wanting to amputate a limb or a partner decided to amputate a limb for their other partner isn't necessarily something that we need to pathologize. We should certainly take a good look and make sure there's no trauma, coercion, that there isn't any violence happening in the relationship, but it's really skewed because the populations that get scrutinized are also the marginalized populations. For example, a very wealthy uh, white heteronormative couple that means like living in the suburbs, 2.4 kids, golden retriever, right? With definitely a kitchen with an island on it. Um, these people, if they wanted to amputate a limb, um, could probably find a doctor that would do it and wouldn't question it and 
even uh, do it in a way that is safe. Whereas potentially somebody who is already exhibiting some signs of like mental distress or a homeless person, for example, could never have access to the same things or even the positive regard to be held as something that they have the right to choose or even feel without thinking, oh my God, they've gone crazy, correct? So remember that whenever we talk about people that we're not talking about the same people, right? We're talking about the whole spectrum of how we treat different. There's also a whole subset of people who are, quote, disability pretenders. And these are people who just enjoy acting like they have a disability. This can happen for so many reasons. It doesn't always have to be sexual. But there are people who do like to go through their lives pretending they have a disability. It couldn't be a way of coping. Sometimes we cope with having lack of attention. Sometimes we cope with kind of traumatic events that we've had through crippling ourselves. Um, so crazy because it's very easy to understand how someone cripples themselves by, um, you know, like cutting social interactions, drinking too much, potentially going on a five-day bender in Vegas. But it's almost crazy to think that someone could cripple themselves physically, put themselves in a wheel wheelchair willingly and roll around the world acting like they are disabled, but it is the same way of acting out. And I'm not saying acting out in a judgmental way. I'm saying acting out like our bodies need to create a reality where we can heal from whatever it is we're dealing with. And acting out is just that. It's just creating that reality so we can find the space to heal. And this is a way that people can do that. So people can sometimes use props and disability pretending. Sometimes they can do it in public and a lot of times in partners where one of them fetishizes some type of disability, but especially amputeeism, it would be um, completely normal for one of them to basically tie a leg up and then walk around or roll around in a chair, but walk around in crutches. And then that could be part of their kind of build up for sex, which is a very interesting dynamic. So we call these people, people who feel that they should not have a limb or people who like to pretend that they have a disability. Sometimes we use the term transable. So the same way that we use transgender and the same way that we use transracial, we can use transable to say that a person does not feel the ability that they were born into. Um, shockingly, this could also be people that already have some disability. You could have someone that already has a couple of limbs amputated who has decided, like, I just don't feel like these things contribute to my life. I feel like I don't feel whole, ironically, right? Um, so that is a cool new term that I have learned also today. Um, so why do people like it? We already went over the fetishism of having a built-in phallus and all of the amazing stuff that goes in with like a giant dick, right? But also different body parts smell different. So there is a specific smell to the smell of your sweat on your glands that are not sweat producing typically, but just the surface of your skin against a prosthetic. The prosthetic itself has a different smell. So people can fetishize the smell of your specific body now that you carry an a prosthetic. It's a completely different smell than most people carry. And especially we've already linked it in our minds to something sexual, then that can become something that we fetishize through everybody that has that smell. Also, the sensation of new skin, sometimes new scarred skin, physically feels different. 
and a lot of people enjoy just how it feels to touch skin that is new and fresh or even scarred because the sensation is different than what they feel on their own skin. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I've had experiences where I've dated people who loved to be in the sun, which is not the case for me. Um, and these people's skin feels different, leathered, and I find that sensation very, very attractive. I think in large part because it's such a different sensation than how my skin feels. Um, it's funny because a lot of times we almost mock people with leathered skin, um, worn skin, aged skin, but for some reason to me that's something that's very comforting and very arousing. So similar is the way that someone could completely love scarred and new healed skin. Um, also remember that the places in our bodies that feel the most sensitive, so like the places on the insides of your arms or the sides and back of your neck or the insides of your thighs are super sensitive. And a lot of that comes from the fact that it's because we never touch them. They never get touched. So when they do, it feels like amazing butterflies, tingly, tickly. Well, it is the same effect that happens when you carry a prosthetic on your skin regularly and then the prosthetic comes off, that skin that is never touched, never touches friction against fabric, now gets sensation to it. And that can be very arousing too. To me, that sounded pretty interesting. Um, there's a lot of narratives in the erotica online about amputee fetishism, about licking. So even though I relate any kind of oral play very much to any sexuality, because I do feel that can kind of translate throughout essentially anything. Um, there is a specific draw to licking amputations um, areas. There's also some attraction, it seems, to the idea of asymmetry. So I was reading, I was telling you guys about the study that was done in 2007, whereas people liked uh, single amputees more than double amputees. It turns out those numbers are even wider apart for people who have both legs or both arms. So people tend to like only one or the other or one of each instead of two, um, which is almost opposed to every other thing we see in beauty. And in fact, when shown pictures of traditionally beautiful people, the people that were attracted to amputees still chose the things that we consider traditionally beautiful, including facial symmetry. I think that's fascinating that, in fact, they love asymmetry in body and appendages, but they still love the symmetry of a face. There was an article that I found very interesting by The Guardian for the story of Dr. John Brown in 1999, who was sent to jail for a botched surgery that killed Philip Bondi because he wanted to amputate his perfectly healthy leg. And uh, this doctor was the only doctor that would perform the surgery. Uh, it turned into gangrene three days later and Mr. Bondi ended up passing away. Um, John Brown lost his license and went to prison for this um, specific death. Uh, he also was held responsible for three different um, botched trans surgeries and his lawyer at the time, so remember the year, 1999, his lawyer at the time says, well, what do you expect? What are we supposed to do when people are just not having access to the surgeries that they're wanting? So how do we 
then blame a doctor that is giving them what they want. The um, court said that what was really going on is that Dr. Brown just wanted the money. But it seems that there is some validity in questioning, well, what else is going on when trans patients and people who want amputations don't have access and how do we change that so that people have access to safe medical procedures? So it goes back to what I was telling you. If you are um, at the very height of privilege, the odds that you would have a hard time finding a surgeon to do whatever the hell you want are actually pretty low, um, including having an abortion, by the way, even during the time when abortions were illegal. Uh, but the people that are low on the totem pole especially trans people, especially trans people of color, have a history of having to resort to extremely dangerous circumstances to be able to get surgeries that to them and their mental health are actually life-saving. I want you to consider that when we have these conversations about elective procedures, especially when it comes to sexuality and medical access. Um, where can you find it? Okay, well, there is a ton of amputee porn on porn sites, and by the way, People get paid when you watch porn. So go watch porn if this is something that you like. Pay people for their content. Find people, cam shows maybe by amputees. Make sure your money's going to the sex workers that are putting in the work. Um, there's no reason that an amputee can't be a sex worker and make a solid living off of it. Also support groups for amputees can be a good place to find amputees. I would not suggest using that space to um, kind of poach people to fetishize them. But if that is something that is in your attraction level, I think it's worth discovering what those people are dealing with because odds are you'll end up dating someone who's an amputee. I think that it's a safer approach and a kinder approach to go surround yourself with a situation where people can open up to you than it is to be like, I'm here just to find someone to fuck. So I think it's very important that you keep that in mind when you're venturing into spaces, especially spaces where there is um, kind of emotional, mental and therapeutic support going on because you don't wanna be something that perpetuates that trauma for someone. How do you prepare? You can definitely be transparent about your passions, transparent about the things you like. I think it's completely acceptable to tell someone who is an amputee that you are totally into that or that that's something that you'd like to explore. What I don't think is okay is to make it seem like that's the only reason you're talking to them. Get to know a person, not the idea of a person. We've had this conversation before when I was talking about the mill fetishes, but also it has something to do with every single fetish. There's no reason that someone needs to be broken down to just this tiny piece of who they are so that you can get um, is it your rocks off or your socks off? It doesn't matter, whichever one you wanna get off. Um, so definitely be transparent, but remember that people are people and that they have so much value and you have so much to gain by actually getting to know people and having fantastic connections with people will undoubtedly lead to fantastic sexual connections too. So make sure you're being safe, make sure you're getting tested. Talk about consent and respect. And if there's something you wanna do, like for example, take a picture of someone, make sure that they've agreed and that they know what you intend to do with that picture. If the picture is just for your use, that's okay and they can know that. If the picture is for you to share with other people or to put on the internet, that's something you have to communicate. Uh, most states have laws about photography where the photographer actually owns the rights, but we are finding legal cases 
that um, are treated as assault when someone takes pictures, especially of sexual nature, that were not consented to. So be careful and like be a good person and not a dick, you know? Um, so don't drink too much, especially with people who have differently shaped bodies, which amputees tend to have a lot of different shapes. You wanna make sure that you're able to communicate and that you're able to listen to what their needs are. It doesn't, some people can't necessarily bend um, a joint that they used to be able to bend in a different way because of the amputation. Some people can't lean their weight a certain way. So make sure you're having these conversations that you're sober enough and aware enough that you're listening and paying attention and not being coercive. Especially if your dynamic is a power dynamic. You don't wanna abuse that by having too much alcohol and then not knowing when it became abusive. Um, these things can become abusive quickly. So respect yourself and respect other people, but also give yourself kind of the positive regard, but the preparedness to know that you need more than just assuming that you can handle things when you've had seven scotches. Um, remember also that sometimes sex work and sometimes fetish work um, can cross international lines. And there are a lot of places where People don't necessarily have a lot of options when it comes to making money and may resort to some type of sex work, spe specifically online, sometimes selling photographs of themselves. Um, and the online power dynamic of being a purchaser of the goods of pictures and photographs can be damaging. Um, I do believe though that sex work is valuable and I do believe that if people choose to do sex work for work, it is a valid form of work. I don't necessarily think that you should not be purchasing pictures online, but I do think that you should not exploit people. And if the pictures are worth more somewhere else, then you should probably just pay them what they're worth so that people are really being able to make a living and um, exist in the environments where they exist in the best, most comfortable way possible and making sure that their work is valuable and paid for. Um, so, Lastly, I wanted to discuss a few terms that I came across. Devotees um, are non-amputated people who love people with uh, disabilities. We talked about devoteeism. Um, pretenders are people that pretend to have disabilities because they love it. Wannabes are just the people who would like to have things amputated. Sometimes pretenders, but not always. Um, and not always having access to the right tools to get their needs met. Today, you listen to um, acrotomophilia and what it is. Uh, amputee fetishes, um, what people are excited about when they talk about amputee fetishes, why we think that having a built-in giant phallic object might be a little bit fun, why it might be fun to do pretend nurse and caretaking play. We talked about the studies by Solvang in 2007 showing what exactly people like and the strange coincidence is that they may like uh, physical symmetry but not bodily symmetry. Trans ability um, and how people can feel that they're physically able to a different extent that they would like to be, devoteeism, and um, what specifically people may like about the way amputee limbs may seem, may look, may feel, may taste, may smell, and the story, of course, of Dr. John Brown, who has gone to jail for giving someone a voluntary amputation. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I will see you next time.
This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.